do ask your auditor questions. Um, some may recommend that you don't ask too many questions. Try to get the audit done and over with, right? Don't open too many opportunities for discussion that opens up new questions or risk of findings. Uh, I, I'm going to recommend you the opposite. Good morning, good evening, and thank you to everyone joining us from wherever you may be around the world. I'm your local host, Kyle, and welcome back to another episode of Comply or Die. Our guest today, Mr. Raymond Cheng. A quick introduction about him, over 10 years of cybersecurity and compliance experience uh, in terms of degree of Bachelor of Science in Commerce, Accounting and Information Systems. And then he is a man with all the certifications. I'll abbreviate them and I'll let him add on to them, but he's a qualified CPA, CISA, CCSK, CISP, CIP, as well as CITP, which is one of the new uh, AICPA credentials. He's worked with global 500 companies like Google, Salesforce, Tencent. He's an expert in SOC 1, SOC 2, ISO 27001, 27017, 27701, FedRAM, GDPR. And he's had various roles that encompass GRC, risk advisory, compliance management, and IT. Basically, as you can hear, he's done it all. And it doesn't even end there. He's also a founder of the San Francisco Bay Rotary Club. Mr. Raymond Cheng, firstly, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast with us today. Is there anything I've missed and anything else from an introductory perspective you'd like to add in? English sums it up, Mr. Morris. Thank you very much for having me today. So let's dive right into it, Raymond. And right off the bat, we're going to talk about where you are now. In your career right now, I mean, it's been filled with super exciting positions, different roles and experiences. Take us through some highlights of the past, some, some things that really stand out to you. You know, a, a lot of my career has been spent in um, one of the big four public accounting firms, uh, specifically Ernst & Young. And uh, my experiences there have been very unique in that, you know, I went all in. You know, they say that um, careers in big four, they push you to a certain limit. You learn a lot, you absorb a lot, but I really doubled down. The the, the field of security compliance is definitely that, that perfect middle ground, I'd say. Um, when I say I, I, I doubled down into the field is, you know, a lot of professionals who spend time in security compliance um, don't have CPAs, although when you're in the big four, you assume that everyone's a CPA. Um, I actually did um, double duty. I, I spent double busy seasons. Uh, half of my time, you know, I spent on security compliance. And then I also then doubled in and said, hey, I want to do financial audit. I want to understand what it means to be a CPA. What does it mean to be an external auditor? And what's the responsibilities of an external auditor? Um, when I say that, um, I'm a big techie. So when I went into big four, I went into security compliance audits. So living and breathing the world of SOC 2, ISO 27,000 certifications, that world, uh, specifically for global tech companies. So um, some of the clients that I had for many years involved um, Google, uh, that's one of the big accounts that I was working on for quite some time. Um, with these companies, we we often worked on um, multi-framework compliance engagements. So we're looking at, hey, here's the full product suite that this company has. How do we manage a SOC 1, SOC 2, ISO 27001, FedRAMP, GDPR, external audit process um, for them around the clock across all of their global teams? Really exciting. I think the the big thing that I really got from my big four experience was really getting a sense of the scale and complexity when it comes to how global companies are managing compliance, but also learning what it looks like to operate at a high level 
in a global environment with many different organizations. So I did busy seasons with financial audit teams as well for several years so I can really live and breathe what it means to be and run a CPA firm. The, the latter half of my career was spending time at global technology companies like Salesforce and Tencent. And um, I think that really balanced out my, my experiences in security compliance, you know, because at the big four, I spent a lot of time external audit. You saw what it was like at different companies. You saw how different companies run, but then you think about, well, from an external audit perspective, how do we make sure that companies are doing the right things and that when we issue certifications or attestation reports that the work that we do supports our client's brand and also our firm's brand. Now, when I transitioned into companies like Salesforce Intensive, then I got to really understand what is it like when you're the boots on the ground in the company managing compliance day in, day out. As a GRC professional in those companies, it was amazing to really see, again, the scale of what it takes to run a compliance program, uh, but also the importance of people, right? Being a really strong communicator, being somebody who can take the complexity of internal controls, security, compliance, you know, across all global requirements and make it easy for engineering teams to implement. Making uh, compliance be kind of part of the process rather than being something that you tack on into it. I think that was very valuable for me. In terms of what what it meant for me next, right? I, I think I really then realized, hey, you know, I have a, a very unique blend of experience as an external auditor but also working internally, helping implementing controls. And so we kind of see both sides of the table. At that point is when I thought, hey, uh, I see an opportunity um, in the compliance field. It, it turned in that onto itself. The first one that I had a good laugh at was double down on busy season. For myself, at least going through and starting in an audit space as a grad and suddenly you were subjected to this busy season and it was a few months. And the more and more senior you got, busy season just sort of became work. And it was busy 12 months of the year. Now you've taken that and gone from a controls and an, an IT security perspective and added in a financial reporting perspective. So I imagine um, you probably just uh, have gotten used to never, ever sleeping. So that's an incredibly impressive talent in itself. Um, and the other one that, that was really thought provoking was the people aspect. Instead of forcing this compliance and it's something that people hate, really trying to make it part of the company and, and getting value from it. Because like you said, at the end of the day, people don't want to be doing it, but you need it. It's important. Um, and to, to, to really just deliver that value from it and how important the people are in something that has a very big focus on IT security that can often get forgotten. The textbook definition of a system is the people and the process and technology. You can never forget the people. Um, yes, I, I'd say the, the, the experiences that I've had have been really fundamental in helping me understand that end of the day, security and security compliance are components of a business's objectives and being able to sit, you know, at different seats around the organization from my past experiences, how has helped me learn, you know, how do we tie compliance to business goals, right? I mean, end of the day, this is balancing risk. It's about balancing business objectives. You know, compliance is not the end all be all. Um, we want to achieve it. We want to find ways to make it easier for teams to align their incentives with compliance, making it easy to to work with those frameworks. Um, that's That's been a really big takeaway for me. And 
talking about that, talking about the tech you are, the way you view different compliance frameworks, let's talk about uh, the, the latest project, the latest decrypt compliance. How did you land there? Yes. Um, so I've, I've been in the security and compliance field for quite some time. And I would say that number one, the security field has historically been a little bit of a walled garden, right? Where, you know, if, if you were say an IT person, you could go to school, you can take a class and you can kind of learn a little bit about IT because security is so new. It's, it's not always clear what's the best way for you to learn about security, how to become a security professional. Now, add on the very the very niche subject matter of security compliance, right? How does one understand security compliance if, you, if you've never actually had firsthand experience? Um, so I, I realized that, you know, there are a lot of business owners, a lot of um, cloud native companies who are looking for, you know, ways to do the right thing, right? They're building a new product. They're very excited to share with their customers and they want to make sure that it's secure. But the question is, well, how, how do I do that? Right. That's one factor that I've really seen happening in the past, in the past few years. The, the other factor is I'm really passionate about, about pushing the field and profession of security compliance forward and, and helping the, the audit profession progress. What I've seen is that, you know, there aren't that many new firms who are pushing themselves to evolve and keep up with the ever-changing compliance landscape, but also the evolution of IT and security. Um, so that's that's why I found the Decrypt Compliance. I, I, I really want to put that, that beautiful combination of experiences that I've had so far and use it to help my clients. Uh, we're in such a, a tech age that there's much more efficient ways to still do things as accurately as possible. And I mean, obviously it comes with a whole lot of different risks and different aspects that you need to take into place, but absolutely, why not move with the times and, and make a better process? My question to you is what makes Decurve compliance different? Not all firms are built to address the security compliance landscape needs of a lot of companies today. Many firms, they've expanded their services beyond just security compliance, right? You may see a CPA firm that does uh, not just security compliance uh, certifications or SOC 2 reporting, but they'll also do financial statement audits. They'll help their clients with income taxes and things like that. Um, that introduces a lot of additional overhead, right? And, and it makes their firms a little bit slower to move and a little bit slower to progress with what's happening in the environment. At Decrypt Compliance, we're, we're laser focused on external audits. We want to be the next generation audit firm that meets the challenges of today's environment. For, for B2B startups, when they want to enter a new market, and they, they want to prove their security of their product to their customers, if they want to work with someone who um, keeps up with the pace of their business, right? If you're a startup, you're trying to move as fast as you can. Decrypt Compliance is, is committing to keep up with that pace. I think the thing that's interesting now more than ever, people are skeptical about the security of a product, right? Whether it's from a very big name tech company or a smaller company, there's always that nagging in the back of your head that says, hey, you know, even though this company, you know, they seem great, they're saying that they're doing all the right things. They say that they want to be secure. How do I truly know that they're doing all the right things? That's where you need to find an external audit partner who's someone that you trust, someone with the integrity and appreciation 
for the role of external auditor so that you can trust that when this auditor says, hey, you know, we've looked at their controls, we've done procedures to validate that they're doing what they say they're doing, that your customers can really trust that third-party report. Look, the, the value proposition is there. It says as clear as can be at the end of the day, it's a, it's a big business enablement tool, isn't it? To be able to say to someone, here's our, our SOC 2 attestation or here's our ISO report or whatever it may be. First and foremost, they want to generate a profitable business and they want to be able to scale up in a way that makes sense, supports the business objectives, but to still get value out of the security and the compliance of it. Security and compliance are one component of the business's objectives, right? And I, I fully understand that and I totally support companies who are looking for ways to improve their product by demonstrating their security. That's the number one goal, right? Of course, you want to work with someone who is able to deliver that speed, right? Work with your with work with your firm at the speed that you need without sacrificing the rigor of that audit process so that you can maintain your brand reputation over time. You have been privileged and probably also in a, a position of pain more times than once to be auditing and to be the auditee. Talk us through that. Which do you prefer? And maybe some takeaways, being able to see both sides, what's what's helped you in your current position? Well, I'm definitely one who likes to see challenges as opportunities rather than setbacks. I, I think whether you are the auditor or whether you are the auditee, there's a lot of benefits on both sides, right? Of course, anytime that you're working with groups outside of your organization, there's challenges, right? There's the there's the cultural blending of how you're working together. There's the, the process of getting to know each other, right? What's what's the standard operating procedures for how we're going to coordinate all of this? Um, but the big plus is you know, when you're being audited. The the thing about running a business is sometimes you're a little bit in a silo, right? You're you're working day in day out in, in your business, and here, when you have an auditor, you have the opportunity to bring a second pair of eyes to your business. It's an opportunity to learn from somebody new who has never seen your business before, or maybe they are peripherally familiar. Um, but you, you have you have an independent and objective um, recommendation or opinion on what can be done differently, right? That is extremely valuable. Being an auditor, again, has its challenges, right? There are some companies who don't always appreciate having an auditor in the room. Um, but when you work with companies and you work with teams who appreciate that independent perspective, it's 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 been a great opportunity to understand how different companies are doing things, right? Being able to share that best practice across different firms, um, across different industries, across different teams. But for me, what I see is that being an auditor does have a, a really big need for personal integrity, right? Integrity is about doing the right thing when nobody's watching. And when you're the auditor, the question is, well, who's watching you, right? There are regulatory supervisions, there are checks and balances in place, but end of the day, as an individual working on that individual audit, you have the responsibility to do the best thing for the client, but also for the public interest, for the overall economy, for the, the stakeholders who aren't in the room, who, you know, if they could ask their questions, if they could do what you could do in your position, right, what's the best thing for them? Having that privilege of um, being in an external audit role 
but also being in an internal um, GRC compliance role has really helped me understand the challenges that both sides face when you're undergoing an audit. And it's, it's helped me learn to have more empathy for the process and have more empathy for the people in it and really learn how to find the best solutions that work for all parties in the process. Do I say that I have a favorite position? I don't think so, right? It's, it's all part of a, a very delicate ecosystem and there is value in all roles involved. Thinking about the stakeholders who can't be in the room, but would love to be, right? Um, when I think about a SOC 2 situation, for example, um, clients who are undergoing a SOC 2 audit, the purpose, you know, the rate, the main reason why they're going through the SOC 2 audit is that they want to obtain a SOC 2 report that they can share with their customers. Now, when you think about this ecosystem, customers will have auditors as well. They will also have an intro compliance function and the individuals and teams who are using that SOC report. They're going to review that report and then they'll, they may have their own questions as well, right? If they take a look at the controls that are in scope in that report, they'll take a look at the extent of the procedures that are done in that report. And they may ask, Hey, you know, um, did the auditor for this SOC report, um, consider these controls? How did they address this risk? Right. Um, does the company have controls in place to address this specific question that I have. I don't know if it's not disclosed in the SOC report. Um, and that's really opportunities for us to create value. Right? When we work with clients is um, having that breadth of experience lets us at least ask that question to our clients. You know, have you considered this question that somebody may ask when they're trying to review your report? Is that something that you think your customers would really be interested in seeing in that report? Would it give them comfort? that your product truly is secure, um, specifically for their use case. So we haven't even got to the section yet that I, I, I like to talk about golden nuggets and to really give that value to customers. But undoubtedly, there's the first one that you've unpacked in itself. There's this perception so often that the auditors come in or they're going to try and look for failures or control failing, uh, anything to that sort of extent. The auditors actually looking at it from a different perspective. I mean, a customer is, they saying, okay, these are our controls in scope. This is what we are attesting to having in place. If we do now SOC 2, and now you're taking the approach to say, okay, but it's not for you. It's for your customers. You want that business. So you want to be able to provide them a report that they can look on it and say, oh, okay, this customer is doing this and that process and the next, and this is relevant and beneficial and important for us because of X, Y, and Z. And, and for anyone listening to this, you don't have these auditors that are coming in wanting to do a checkbox exercise and get out. Um, and you've got an auditor that really wants to say, okay, what's going to be more valuable for you? And what's more valuable for you is going to be what your customers want to see. So let's go back to the sure. year 2013. A, a young Raymond Cheng was a IT intern at a construction company. Fast forward 11 years, our IT landscape uh, has changed hugely. What changes are really prominent to you? What stands out in that time period? Wow, what has changed since I was a, an IT intern at a construction company? Well, I'll say one thing's for sure is cloud computing, right? Cloud, I mean, I think anybody listening to the podcast today is going to say cloud is, you know, it is, it is, it is an assumed um, approach for the IT architecture. At, at that point, um, you know, cloud was picking up, it was gaining popularity. 
and companies were asking themselves, you know, is this, is this going to be the way that we operate in the future? And, um, I think now a lot of companies in the technology space, cloud is the way to go, right? It's an assumed, um, the interesting thing now is if you take a look at the security compliance landscape, we actually have many frameworks of compliance out there that are, um, either they are built or on-prem environments, or they are, um, agnostic to a cloud environment, right? So it, it does add a little bit of complexity into deciphering and understanding compliance when the frameworks are not built for the cloud, not all of them, at least. Um, are they still industry de facto standards? Yes, they are. Um, so I think that's been something that's very interesting to see in the past several years. The ecospace has changed so much. And if, if you're not using the cloud, what, what are you doing? the other side of the coin exactly like you said is you've got some frameworks that were created and the changes and revisions and updates haven't necessarily kept up with it how do you balance that i mean taking traditional frameworks should we say and applying that to to cloud environments the the tailoring of controls um do, do you see the standards catching up um new standards and stuff sort of being introduced uh, what what works the solution for businesses is to make sure that you have someone in your team or within your network who understands security compliance very well. For deeper compliance, because we know these frameworks inside and out, we do have an idea of what does compliance look like in a cloud environment in a way that is not just um, industry best practices, but also understood to be consistent with the requirements of those compliance frameworks. I think in the future, uh, we will see frameworks slowly evolve and slowly change the way that they structure their framework in a way that is more conducive to a cloud-based environment. So for anyone that is listening to the podcast, this is where you maybe get out a pen and paper. This is where you start jotting down your notes. If it's the first time you are looking or thinking about going through the audit process, what better way to get some insight than from someone like we said? years of experience has been on both sides. So what we want to do in this part is really just to highlight in an audit, what are some, some do's and don'ts? I mean, you've seen it from both sides. Well, I'll, I'll start with some don'ts when it comes to security and compliance. Um, and then we'll get into the more positive do's. Uh, so I think number one, don't attempt to do things all on your own. Um, unless, unless you have the time and you have the expertise already. What, what I'll say is, when, when you're starting a company, when, when there's just a few of you in the room, your time is very valuable and you need to be prioritizing and weighing every decision that you're making. Um, most clients that I've talked to are on a tight timeline, right? They want to try to get things done as fast as they can, as efficiently as they can, and as cost effectively as they can. Like I said, think bigger, right? Think more global. You have access to resources all over the world nowadays. If you imagine trying to start your business 15 or 20 years ago, you, you, you just couldn't do that, right? We're more global nowadays. Take the effort to find the expertise that's readily available to you around the world. Whether you're based in Europe, whether you're based in North America, you're in Africa, it doesn't matter, right? It's everybody is just a, a video call away. Um, so don't attempt to do things on your own. Find the right expertise, get the right people in the room who can help make these processes simpler, more efficient, for your business. I think number two, don't go in thinking that security compliance is a hard and fast check the box exercise. Um, the truth of it is that 
some frameworks are rather clear cut just because the standard setters wanted to put a very hard line in the sand. Um, I think in the financial industry, you may see some of that, right? Where the regulators have clearly said, hey, you know, we don't know IT that well. And so we're going to put very clear requirements into what mean what it means to be compliant with our financial industry regulations. Other industries, like the technology industry, for example, they understand that IT is complex. They understand that architectures change. And so when they develop their frameworks, they develop it based on risk. They don't, they don't name specific technologies that help you mean that you're compliant, right? And so it's the responsibility is placed more on the business owner uh, and the product teams to understand the risks to your business, right? When it comes to IT, you need to understand what it means for your company specifically, factor in how does your company operate, think about your product and the customers, um, what the customers are expecting from your product. And that's how you think about compliance, right? Um, so if you think about those two, you're definitely not, um, it's not hard and fast when you look at some other frameworks. Risk is subjective. Compliance is a balance of industry best practices plus your own understanding. So I think those are the two don'ts. Don't attempt to do things all on your own. Find your resources out there. Uh, number two, don't go in thinking that security compliance is a hard and fast exercise. It, a lot of times, the framework is really based on a risk framework. As for the do's, um, number one, I'd say do have your own perspective. Right? When you're undergoing an audit, a lot of what the auditor is looking for is whether you've done your own homework and you've really thought about you know, the organization of your company, your business's goals, what is important to your customers. That's what helps an auditor understand that you've really put the thought into your business and what security means to your product and your customers. Number two, do ask your auditor questions. Some may, some may recommend that you don't ask too many questions, try to get the audit done and over with, right? Don't open too many um, opportunities for discussion that opens up new questions or risk of findings. Uh, I, I'm going to recommend you the opposite in good faith, right? Ask your auditor questions. If you have hypotheticals, if you're curious about what, you know, what does compliance look like for you in the future, right? Let your auditor in on those plans. Um, a lot of auditors are actually really nice folks. Um, they, they love to help their clients. They want to work with you. They want to make sure that you're successful. Um, so, you know, like I said, use that opportunity to, to tap on the knowledge from these people that have um, an outsider's perspective on your business. That's really how you make the most of your audience. A little well, bit number worried. One, that I'm, I'm a little bit worried you're going to send me a, a very hefty invoice officers because the, the this advice and guidance absolutely <laughs> should not be free. The, these are some some real real treasures and and pearls of wisdom. And for anyone listening, this is the point where you press pause, you go a few minutes back, and you play all of this over again, and you make notes of it. And if everything makes sense, your your do's and don'ts even tie together. Uh, your IT is is a complex space, like you said. It's, it's not just a checkbox exercise. Couple that with wanting to engage and work with your auditor. You're going to give your auditor a better understanding of the IT environment. You're going to help yourself and your company implement more valuable controls. There, there's sort of resources you've tapped into without even meaning to and helped your auditor understand your environment and what you really need. One of the, the early points you mentioned in it, uh, the, the interconnectivity of the world. 
like you said, everyone's just a phone call away. We are geographically separated by thousands and thousands of kilometers right now. And this is possible. So you, you do, like you said, you've got these experts right around the world, no more than a call away, tap into it and make use of it. So what do you want to make sure exists? And what do you want to make sure avoids you all that you as an organization avoid when you go into a compliance framework or when you're preparing for an audit? Good question, Kyle. I would say number one, when it comes to security compliance, avoid the set it and forget it approach. Um, don't see compliance and security as project-based. Think of it as programmatic, um, where you want to be implementing activities in your business to plan, check, act, and review right on that security plan over the year. That's how you grow it over time. Um, I think that's that's the biggest thing that you want to avoid. What are the things that you want to make sure you're doing when you think about security? Um, number one, come from the top, right? Uh, I'm assuming whoever's listening to this podcast, you actually care about security. Um, make sure that's known, right? Communicate that across the team. Uh, keep that at the forefront of your mind. Uh, make sure that you've integrated security considerations across your policies and procedures. Um, do a risk assessment. Many, many frameworks are going to ask that, you know, you know th there are many businesses who choose to do a risk assessment at the high level across all, all sorts of business activities. These compliance frameworks are going to look for how you thought about IT-related risks and security-related risks and what are you doing to mitigate those risks or address those risks for your customers. Uh, other thing that you want to be thinking about is um, what are you implementing for your team when it comes to security training or what uh, competency checks or evaluation checks do you have to gauge whether or not someone in their role has sufficient amount of competency in security in order to do their role and ensure security for your business. Um, I think another thing that's also really great to have, and a lot of compliance frameworks are looking for this in some way, shape, or form, is incorporating feedback loops. Like like I said, um, you know, when you're running your business day in, day out, you get so much value when you can introduce other perspectives into your business. So the feedback loops I'm thinking of when it comes to security is um, perhaps you you contract some internal auditors, right? To again take a look at your security program, take a look at your business, and see you know are there opportunities for improvement. Uh, perhaps you contract external uh, pen testers, penetration testers, people who can you know give a poke at your environment, give a poke at your systems, give a poke at your customers' front end and see, you know, are there any gaps that could be filled here? Is there any anything that we might have missed, right? Um, consultants to do assessments, perhaps. Um, and also taking a look at industry-recognized frameworks that are already out there and comparing that to what you're currently doing, right? Um, even if, say, you've started your business and said, hey, we care about security, here's the framework that we want to implement. Well, it doesn't hurt every so often to to have a team member take a look at other frameworks and see how does that line up, right? Um, again, the feedback loops, very, very important. There you have it. You have auditing start to end. So many takeaways from today. Uh, Raymond, the, the pleasure's been all mine. Thank you for for the insights, the, the thoughts, being able to see it from different perspectives, from someone that's a professional and an expert in the field, and overall, just a really nice guy. 
if there's any final words or anything you'd like to add before we wrap up part one and making sure that you know there's a part two coming up. Mr. Morris, thank you again for your time. It's It's been a great pleasure and a great honor to be on the podcast with you. Um, I think what Cytel is doing is again it's it's the next it's the next evolution it's the next iteration of of what security compliance can look like for businesses um really appreciate the the innovations and thought that the company is putting into this um if anybody you know listening to the podcast has any questions thoughts comments uh, feel free to reach out to decrypt compliance um we're online at decrypt.cpa um you can shoot us an email um or you can find us on linkedin Thank you. Mr. Cheng, we'll chat soon to everyone listening. Stay safe and goodbye.